Uh, greetings, you're watching the online ministry from St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. Uh, this has been prepared for the 26th of November 2023. My name is Adam. G'day, it's great to share this time with you. Our sentence of scripture comes from the 23rd Psalm, and you probably know it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's enter into a time of praise. good it's ever faithful worth more than gold the heart's delight your word gives life to all who hear and obey your word endures forever your word is true it never changes it formed the Sustains it still Your word defends Providing refuge and strength Your word endures forever Your word is a lamp unto my more than 
Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God, of your abundant goodness, keep us from everything that may hurt us, that we may be ready in body and soul cheerfully to accomplish whatever you want us to do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, we enter into the ministry of God's word today. Uh, please read Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. That is our preaching passage, or should I say our preaching proverb. Uh, also, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 9 is worth a read, especially if you're gathering as a church family somewhere. Let me pray. Father God, we pray that we would use this time well. Help me to be faithful to your word. Help me to be clear. And we pray that uh, as we open up the scriptures, even this one proverb, you'd speak to our hearts and you'd grow us in Christ Jesus. We ask for your help in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I heard a proverb Monday night. Never try to teach a pig to read. It frustrates you and it annoys the pig. <laughs> That's a proverb I heard on Monday night, a Bible study uh, offered by a, a local school teacher who shall remain nameless. Our proverb today comes from God's word. It's scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Wow. <laughs> the early chapters of Proverbs read like a father-son, birds-and-the-bees kind of conversation. The whole book of Proverbs encourages the reader to make wise, everyday life choices. We can either live wisely or we can live foolishly. And so chapters 1 to 9, the father is on view, urging the son, stay away from Madam Folly, she's bad news. She's a harlot. She's described as a seductress, a prostitute. Chasing her only leads to death. Instead, in the early chapters, he encourages his son to chase Lady Wisdom. She's a good sort. Chase her son because she leads to life. Now, our proverb today echoes these kinds of concerns. And so let's have a think about it. A ring in a pig's snout actually has a function. It's to stop the pig from digging and rooting about uh, with its nose, the turning up the soil. But by anyone's estimation, any old ring will do, right? But what about a gold ring? Well, that's crazy. That's 
excessive. It's demeaning of the gold ring's true worth. It's senseless. And it's just wrong. It's a waste. As someone said, it's incongruous, which means it's out of place. It's ridiculous. Of all the things one can use gold for, this is so absurd, you might conclude it just doesn't happen. It's such a contradiction. I mean, well, unless, of course, you're a fool. Only a fool would do this. The gold ring is precious and treasured, valuable. It's an adornment. It promotes beauty. But to give it to a pig, seriously. And worse, let's dial it up now because it was a Hebrew king that wrote this. And so to the Israelites, a pig is a ceremonially unclean animal. Touch the pig and you're impure. You're defiled. Off to the priest to make a sacrifice. It's costly. But let's dial it up again because it's not just a pig, it's a pig snout, which is next level ugly, next level detestable. Can you imagine the glistening, snotty discharge dribbling out and consuming the gold ring? Are you grossed out yet? Because I think you're supposed to be. Now, catch the proverb. The gold ring here is paralleled with a beautiful woman. Both are treasured. Both are precious. And so let's talk about the beautiful woman. What is she like? You can insert your own picture here. Uh, was it Monty Python? She's beautiful. She's rich. And she's got... Huge tracts of land. Is the beautiful woman not precious and treasured? Beautiful. Now, marry that beautiful woman with no discretion, no wisdom, no good sense. No sound judgment. And do you see what's going on? Now we have two marvels of beauty. And do we see that they are both spoiled? That their true beauty is somehow less diminished substantially. Now, I did some research and I asked a whole bunch of other women, tell me, what do you think this woman with no discretion looks like? Help me. And their answers were quite revealing. Their answers were revealing, okay? One word struck with me. It kept coming up. It's this idea of excessive. The beautiful woman who lacks good judgment is excessive. Excessive exposure, excessive skin, excessive sexuality, exhibitionism, excessive numbers of partners, excessive alcohol. And this one grabbed me. 
excessive words, gossip, slander, profanity, bitterness, abuse. See, there's no restraint. There's no discretion. And let's just pause for a moment and let me say, to be sure, the world couldn't care less about any of this. In fact, many would dismiss this proverb and this sermon as misogynistic. The world upholds and celebrates excess. The world upholds and celebrates people's right to make their own choices. So you say what you want, you do what you want, you wear what you want, you sleep with you want, don't let anyone judge you. And of course, if that is challenged, then you're charged probably with objectifying women, which is to treat them merely as a sex object. But whatever happened to modesty and a basic regard for others? I mean, it's curious. Let's think if I'm at home and I walk into the kitchen with no shirt on, you know, there's an uproar from my children. They'll yell at me to put a shirt on. Dad, put a shirt on! And they'll cover their eyes and they'll go, might even go, oh, gross, gross. And they wave their hands. Oh, Dad's here with no shirt on. Seriously. And I guess it would be no different if any of you tried the same, right? In fact, to be sure, if any of you try it in my kitchen, I'm calling the cops. Just saying. But see the point. Our world is confused. How far away are we from the garden and the shame of nakedness and the shame of being exposed? And now we celebrate that, which is overexposed. Now we celebrate excess. The Bible is saying the exercise of modesty and restraint, it's a good thing. It's a wise thing, and you would have seen that from our reading in 1 Peter chapter 3. Now back to the proverb. That was a little sidebar. Does the gold ring and the pig belong together? Answer? No. It's ridiculous. I'm glad you agree. And what of the beautiful woman who shows no discretion? Do they belong together? Beautiful woman, no discretion. Do they belong together? No. No, they don't. The two do not belong. Beauty and no discretion do not belong. That's the point. No more than a gold ring belongs in the snout of a pig. Fellas, we buy this picture all the time though, don't we? For a long time, the world has used this false idea of beauty to sell all sorts of things from men's deodorant to alcohol to sports betting to cars. And that if you buy their product, your chances of intimacy with a beautiful, indiscreet woman increases exponentially. And why does sex sell? Because blokes are so shallow, they believe it. They think it works. 
Men are driven by lustful, self-satisfying desires. Blokes, this is bogus. It cannot be. Stop buying the lie. It is not beauty. Pornography is another example. Again, don't buy the lie. This is bogus. It's not beauty. This too is like a gold ring in the snout of a pig. It's out of place. It's unfitting. And it is debased. So here is the encouragement for everybody. Don't let the world dictate what true beauty is. I talked with someone struggling about body image and we've been sharing about the new creation and being raised immortal, perfect, physically, in Christ. Sounds good. Their question, in the new creation, will we still have our same body shape? You see it? Our Western eyes uh, see beauty in terms of external appearance. And I'm certain God has a better plan for us in the new creation, whatever that looks like. Not just good, it will be glorious. And so that's what we look forward to. But do we see the implication that as we consider beauty in our world, do we connect it with wisdom and discernment and good judgment? Because that's the flip side of this proverb. The flip side of this proverb is that we isolate beauty from discretion and wisdom all the time. We disconnect them. And that's a mistake. Beauty is a gift from God, which is not to be despised, but placed in its right context. 1 Peter 3 helps us do that. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. True inner beauty is never connected to a lack of discretion or a lack of wisdom. True inner beauty is never not connected to wisdom and good judgment. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says, Oh, but a woman who fears the Lord that is something to be praised. That is something to treasure. That is indeed precious. There's something else going on that I want to show you. I hope you're ready for it. Here it goes. Because on one hand, this is a lesson in wisdom. right? But on the other hand, this proverb doesn't, doesn't it read like the story of Israel? And you're like, what are you talking about? Let me explain. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel are God's treasured possession, right? They are precious to him. And how does that relationship go? Tell me. If you pick up the prophet Hosea and read it, God is portrayed as a faithful husband. Israel is portrayed 
as a beautiful woman with no discretion. An adulterous wife. Israel is portrayed as the wife who goes after other men, worshipping false gods, idols. And it sounds brutal, but God the husband, it's like he turns up home only to find his wife, Israel, in bed, not just with another man, but with multiple men. It's grim. It's debased. That which is valued and precious to God, spoiled, unclean, debased, impure, defiled, it is also wrong. And so I look at this proverb and go, oh, it's an analogy of Israel. But of course, the sin of Israel, <laughs> it's the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam is the sin of everybody. You know, we are God's image bearers, aren't we? We are precious to God. But don't we trash this relationship every other day, such as our sin? Being a Christian and being comfortable with sin is its a ridiculous, absurd picture. It's unseemly. It's out of place. The Christian and sin don't belong together. They are never comfortable together. It's inappropriate. It's a complete contradiction. It's an oxymoron. That's what the picture is. And so here is the next question, as I put that out there, and as we go deep, here is the next question. This proverb, this woman, is, is this irredeemable? Is this beautiful woman who shows no discretion, is she redeemable? Can that which is precious be restored and returned as a thing of beauty. Now, as you ponder that question, we might then wonder about how women of excess got on with Jesus. That bears thinking about. Huh. Are you thinking about the woman at the well in John chapter 4? A woman of no discretion, five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. Oh dear. That's awkward. Or John 8, the adulterous woman who's about to be stoned. Or Matthew chapter 26. Let's read it. Matthew 26, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, 
What she has done will be told in memory of her. Wow. Do you see it? The disciples are like, why this waste? This perfume's worth an annual worker's wage. It's incredibly expensive. Surely this woman shows no wisdom, no good judgment. Look, she lacks discretion, Jesus. What is Jesus' answer? No. No. It's not excessive if you get Jesus, is it? If you've met his love, if you've been changed by his love, if you've been redeemed and restored. I mean, the whole point of the story is that Jesus is worth it. He's worth every drop and more. Her response is beautiful. Verse 10. It's bold. Yeah, it is extravagant. And it's sacrificial. She gets Jesus. The woman who worships Jesus. Here is a woman of true beauty, true inner beauty. Here is a woman that Jesus tells us to remember. And so it brings us back to the question, how are we defining beauty? Is it as the world defines it? Or are you pursuing wisdom now and following the Lord in the way he defines it? Some think beauty is enhanced by a nice dress. The encouragement here is to dress our hearts and minds with the words of Jesus. Here is an encouragement for our girls to spend more time on your inner self and the unfading inner beauty that it can be. Because this story tells me that the relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that we have. He is the one that was prepared for death and he gave everything including his life. Here we see that no one loves you like Jesus does. And so you wouldn't trade him for anything. And so to live for Jesus is to live wisely. Don't let anything get in the way there. Not even a bloke. In fact, the bloke to marry is the one who will encourage you in your faith. Not sideline it. But fellas, how will you define beauty? Do you see beauty the way Jesus does? You won't find it on TV or the internet or in a magazine. Actually, instead you'll find it where? <gasps> in your church family. A woman who fears the Lord. A woman that loves and listens to Jesus. A Christian woman. So, fellas, will you encourage your female Christian friends to live wisely for Jesus, devoted, and encourage them in their faith? Will you treat them as 1 Timothy 5 verse 2 tells you, treat them as sisters with absolute purity. Will this be the kind of beauty that you are drawn to? Let me conclude. I need to come back to the question, is this redeemable? Dear long-standing friends of mine, let's call them Fred and Mabel, before they got married, they needed to have a talk because Mabel was riddled with guilt over a previous relationship and she felt ashamed 
unclean. And she wanted to be absolute best for her husband. She'd given herself to someone else. And so she felt less. Is their relationship irredeemable? Fred said to Mabel, his bride-to-be, I see you the way God sees you. In Christ. Forgiven. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. Pure and radiant. In Christ is who you are to me. That's no empty-headed romance novel, is it? It's the gospel. Once we were all dead in our sins, impure, unclean, unholy. But God rescued us from the pig trough, didn't he? And have we woken up and recognised our sin? Have we come to the Father who made us alive in Christ? The Father who forgives our sins and cancels the debt that stands against us and condemns us. He's taken it away. He's nailed it to a cross. And now we are restored, redeemed, rescued. And now we are welcomed home by the Father, all because of Jesus. And friends, that is beautiful. Let us run away from sin. Let us run away from folly. Let's chase wisdom. Let us choose Christ and let us worship him. Amen. Oh, mm -hmm.
brothers and sisters, we come to a time of prayer and I want to encourage you, uh, wherever you are, whomever you're with, uh, spend some time giving thanks to God, um, spend some time asking things of God, spend some time confessing to God and admitting the, the mistakes that you've made that you've got wrong and ask the Lord uh, for help and be assured uh, he will. Ask the Lord for forgiveness and be assured he will. I commend that to you. Uh, remember you have resources. You have the Lord's Prayer and other biblical prayers. You have the prayer book, excellent prayers in there. You have the blue screen that's about to follow. Whatever you do, don't not pray. You got it.
Let's close with the words of this blessing from Colossians chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom and through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, or with your bodies, uh, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.